بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله ثم الحمد لله we are at lesson number four tonight of the tafsir of the short surahs of the Quran cause um, and alhamdulillah a brief summary of what we've covered in the first lesson we spoke about the importance of contemplating and trying to understand and striving to understand the Quran uh, and especially the oft recited surahs hence the tafsir of the short surahs of the Quran cause alhamdulillah then we moved on to the importance and the Virtue of Surah Al-Fatiha, we spoke about the names of Surah Al-Fatiha and we spoke about the greatness of the Surah and we proved from Hadith that it is the greatest Surah in the Quran and the most important Surah that we get to know and that we have a, a, a good understanding of the Surah as it is that no Salah is valid without the Surah and in every Raka'ah of the Salah we will be reciting Surah Al-Fatiha Hence, it is, it is of utmost importance that we understand what we are reciting so that we can attain the khushu' that, we, uh, that is required of us. Um, and that the best way to attain the khushu' is to understand what one is reciting. If we do not understand, it becomes difficult to focus and concentrate and to reap the benefits of the recitation of Allah's perfect kalam. Uh, so this is, you know, our intention, bi'idhnillah, is to go through the surah Spend some time on the surah to maximize our benefits and to see and to try and, you know, just get as much as we can out of the surah. Bi'idhnillahi um, ta'ala. So, last week we spoke about, we also spoke about the isti'adha, the importance of saying, A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytanir rajeem, some of the rulings regarding the isti'adha. And then we spoke about the basmala. Last week we focused on the basmala, the status of the basmala, the importance of the basmala, and the meaning of the basmala. Tonight's lesson, bi'idhnillahi ta'ala, we move on to the next ayah, which is, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. The first ayah in the surah, as we mentioned previously, that this is the first ayah of uh, Surah Al-Fatiha, according to most ulama. Although, according to some, this would be the second ayah, and they would count the basmala as the first, uh, as per Imam al-Shafi'i, rahmatullahi alayhi. Tayyib, so alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. The first point to speak about is the hamd, is the hamd, alhamdu. Alhamd uh, or hamd, rather, hamd, linguistically in the Arabic language, is the opposite of them, is the opposite of them, which is something that is, which is to blame something, or something like madhmoom, is something blameworthy, right? So we got hamd and we got mahmud, which is the opposite of madhmoom, which is something praiseworthy. So hamd is... The opposite of them, which means something, uh, which means basically to praise, right? The general in English we would say to praise. This is the meaning of hamd. Uh, as for hamd, what does alhamd mean? Then scholars have defined it and said it is describing the praised one. The Mahmud is the praised one. Describing the praised one with perfection, with kamal. Ma'amahabbatihi. Based on love and glorification, right? So these are technical terms that, that, that the scholars mention and the definition of hamd. 
the technical definition of hamd uh, that they have given. It is to describe the praised one with perfection based on love and glorification. So this is hamd. When we say alhamdulillah, for example, it's out of love and glorification, ta'zim. Right? It's, uh, it's a type of admiration for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala along with praising Him. Along with praising Him. So it's not just praising, rather it's praising um, based on admiration, based on veneration, based on love, mahabba, and ta'zim, glorification. This is hamd according to some of the scholars. So hence, hamd implies admiration, love, and magnifying the praise of the Mahmud, the praise of the one who is praised or the one that we are praising. Right? He is the, the Mahmud is the one we are praising. So Hamd implies admiration. Right? It's not just praise, rather, it's praise that includes admiration, veneration, love, and magnification or glorification of the Mahmud, of the one that we are praising. Understand? So Hamd is more than just a praise. Okay, and we will see some examples inshallah that makes uh, where we can see the difference between uh, different types of praise inshallah. Alhamd is a sincere and true praise, a praise that the Mahmud deserves. So Hamd is not fake. It's not, uh, you know, we could praise somebody fraudulently or for example, we could lie and we could make up a praise for somebody or be sarcastic, you know, that's also praising. Um, but Hamd is sincere and true. It's a true praise. And it's one that the Mahmud deserves. It's, it's a real, true, sincere praise. It's one that the Mahmud deserves. Right? The one doing Hamd is submitting himself to the Mahmud out of humility. So when we praise, and specifically yeah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when we do this special praise of Allah, this Hamd for Allah, it's, it's a type of submission. You know, it's a type of submission out of, out of humbleness and humility unto the Mahmud who is Allah. Sincerely we praise Him. Sincerely we are glorifying Him through this praise. Out of love, out of admiration, we say, Alhamdulillah, this praise is for Allah. This type of hamd is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hamd also includes sincere gratitude and mentioning the kamal or the best qualities of someone. Right? It also includes sincere gratitude. It's a type of shukr. Right, and we, again, we're going to speak about shukr and hamd as well. So, hamd, when we say alhamdulillah, it also includes a type of gratitude, sincere gratitude that we are grateful to the one that we are praising. We are grateful to him and we are uh, uh, acknowledging his perfection, his perfect qualities, his perfect qualities. And inshallah, as we go through this lesson, these points will become a bit more clear. These points will become a bit more clear as to what we mean by gratitude, what we mean by perfect qualities, um, what we mean by it's a true praise, it's not a fake praise, it's not a made up praise, it's not just by, it's a sincerely true praise uh, and, and specifically to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is the one that's deserved of praise, he is Al-Mahmud or Hamid, uh, that's one of his names, Al-Hamid is his name, Mahmud is not one of his names, rather it linguistically means the one who is praised. Hamid is the, the praiseworthy. That is Allah's name. Um, a praise that is done without love, admiration or veneration is called madh. So in Arabic, there are numerous words that we have which means praise. 
right? So you get madh, right? Madh is to to praise somebody, okay? It means to praise. But what's the difference then between hamd and madh? Is it the same thing? The scholars have mentioned that if it's done without love, admiration, or veneration, then it's called madh. So a general praise, you could praise something or somebody, right? This would be we, we, this would be referred to as madh, madh, right? Or thana, or thana is another word for praise, thana, okay? Uh, and we'll touch on thana again because some would not agree with this that this is a type of thana because some scholars have given a different definition to thana. But this is what we would call madh, a praise that is done without love or glorification. That's called madh. But when it includes love. So when we say alhamdulillah, we are, there is supposed to be love behind the statement. The love for Allah, the love to say the zikr, the acknowledgement for Allah's greatness. Hence we say alhamdulillah. Hence we say alhamdulillah. But madh is something different. As for majd, majd, then this is used to show the greatness and the grandeur of Allah. Okay, so just going back to last week's lesson, last week's lesson and the week before that, we mentioned the hadith, the hadith Qudsi, where we spoke about um, the, 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 not the conversation, but the response Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives to the slave when he recites Surah Al-Fatiha. So for example, when the slave recites, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Allah responds and says, Hamidani Abdi, my slave has praised me. When the slave says, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Allah says, Athna alayya abdi. That comes from the word thana. As we can see there, thana, athna alayya. My slave has praised me. Athna, what does thana mean? It's a praise. But it's supposed to be different to hamd. So there should be a difference between athna alayya abdi and hamidani abdi. So the first one we translated as, Allah, my slave has praised me. Athna alayya abdi. How do we translate this? It's a difficult thing to translate because both means a type of praise. So we use the word, my slave has extolled me, right? To extol. Uh, and then when the slave says, Maliki yawmiddin, Allah responds and says, Majjadani abdi, Majjadani abdi, Majd. The word Majd is now used, which means my slave has glorified me. This refers to the, the, the greatness and the grandeur of Allah. When we do Tamjid of Allah or Majd of Allah, it means we are speaking about the greatness and the grandeur of Allah, right? Allah's Jalal and Allah's Azamah, right? His greatness and His grandeur. This is specifically for Majd, okay? So this is just to get a difference in terms of some of these words, which are very similar, but there are some uh, finer details between them. So this is what we are going through, inshallah, for some benefit. Um, <clears throat> some opinions on the difference of between thana and hamd. So hamd is like thana, but with love, admiration, veneration, and glorification. Right? This is some, according to some ulama, like Ibn Uthaymin, rahimahullah, he is of the opinion that hamd, when we do hamd of Allah, like alhamdulillah, this is with love, admiration, veneration, and glorification. Right? Whereas thana is basically like madh. It's like madh, which is just to praise Allah, but a bit more emphatically. A bit more emphatically than madh. Understand? But it's without that, that love, admiration, veneration, and glorification. Um, other scholars mention that hamd is used for actions done by choice. 
while thana is used for characteristics which are not done by choice. Okay, example, when do we say alhamdu for a person or alhamdulillah for a person? When do we use this word hamd as a praise? We use it as a praise for something done by choice. So if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does something by choice, we should say alhamdulillah. For example, or if somebody does something by choice, meaning it's by him, him deciding to do something good. So let's say he decides to give some sadaqah. We can do hamd of him. We can praise him using the word hamd. Understand? Um, but if it's something that's a part of him, it's part of his characteristics, that's not part of choice. Like beauty. If somebody's beautiful or handsome, we would use thana for him. Because it's not part of his choice to be beautiful or handsome. Right? Or her beauty. So to describe him or her, we would use thana. Right? Yuthni alayha. Or athna alayha. And so forth. Right? Um... That's according to some ulama. This has been mentioned by Sheikh Salih Hawzan, for example. Um, and then we have another opinion, which is Thana is to repeatedly mention the hamd or praises or good traits of a person. So hamd is to mention the good traits. Right? So we we glory we praise this person for his, his traits, his characteristics, his goodness that he shows, that he has. This is hamd. To repeatedly praise is thana. To repeatedly and continuously praise is thana. And this has been mentioned by Imam Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah. And this is the one to me that makes the most sense and Allah knows best. Perhaps there is some truth to each and every point, And maybe in a different context, each one can apply. But the third one, if we look at the hadith that we mentioned, where if we say, Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, Allah says, Hamidani Abdi, my slave has praised me. He has, done, he has done hamd of me. And when we say Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Allah responds and says, My slave has athna alayya abdi, has done thana of me. So how do we, you know, which of these can fit? If we say it's, my slave has praised me, and then he has done thana, meaning continuously praised me, by saying Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, then this definition of Ibn Al-Qayyim makes a lot of sense, according to that hadith, that we did hamd, when we said Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, and now we are doing Thana, which is to continuously praise him, to repeatedly praise him, this is Thana, and that's why Allah says, Athna alayya abdi. And when we say Maliki Yawmiddin, that Allah is the owner of the day of, uh, of judgment, or the day of recompense, Allah says, Majjadani abdi, my slave has glorified me. Because now we are speaking about the greatness of Allah. Right? He's the owner of that day, the king of that day. Hence we say, Majjadani Abdi. So inshallah, this is the one that to me makes a lot of sense. That Alhamd is to mention the good praises with love and admiration and veneration, as we said. But Thana is to mention it repeatedly. And Allah knows best, that seems to make sense. The difference between Hamd and Shukr. The difference between hamd and shukr, as we said, hamd includes a type of glory, uh, a type of gratitude. That's why when something good happens to us, naturally the believer, what does he say? Alhamdulillah. He says, Alhamdulillah. As Ibn Abbas, uh, anhu, uh, he said that Alhamdulillah is the statement of appreciation. It's a, it's a statement of appreciation. When we are grateful, we say, Alhamdulillah. Anything good happens, Alhamdulillah. Good news, Alhamdulillah. Pass the exam, Alhamdulillah. Right? Got a job, alhamdulillah. And so forth. So there's a type of gratitude and shukr within the statement of alhamdulillah without a doubt. Right? But what's the difference then between alhamdulillah and shukr? To show gratitude and thanks to Allah. 
Hamd is more general and inclusive than that of shukr or giving thanks because it encompasses shukr as well as giving the meaning of praise. So from one angle, hamd is more general because hamd is not just to praise, it's also to think. Whereas shukr is not to praise, shukr is only to think. So from one angle, hamd is more inclusive and more comprehensive and more general than shukr. Likewise, shukr is only expressed as a response to a favor, whereas hamd is expressed both as a response to a favor, a praise for the Mahmud's characteristics, as well as a spontaneous action of dhikr. Right? So again, this is again showing us a difference between hamd and shukr. That when do we make shukr? When we, have, when we receive a favor, when something or somebody does something good to us, when Allah blesses us with something, we show, Allah, we show gratitude, we show shukr. Right? Whereas hamd is not just for gratitude. We don't just say, you know, like alhamd wa laka shukr for a favor. Or alhamdulillah for a favor. But we also praise Allah for his characteristics. And we're going to touch on this later on inshallah. And we praise Allah as dhikr. Just as dhikr, we know we say alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Just to sit and reflect and you think of the favors, and you think of different things in your life, what do we say? Alhamdulillah. So it's it's an action of dhikr, right? Um, It's also a praise for Mahmud's dhikrs, meaning the praised one's dhikrs, yani Allah. Okay? For his characteristics, we praise him. For his perfection, we praise him. For who he is, he's deserved of praise. Just who Allah is, his names and his perfection and his perfect attributes, his lofty attributes, is worthy of all praise. He's Al-Hamid. So we should praise him just for this. Shukr is not done like this. Right? Um, Hence Ibn Al-Qayyim said, Shukr is connected to favors but not intrinsic attributes. It cannot be said we thank Allah, we make shukr to Allah for being ever-loving, all-hearing, or seeing, all-knowing. These are the names and attributes of Allah. He's Al-Hay. Right? Al-Sami'u al-Basir, al-Alim. Can we say shukr to Allah for being, for being who He is? No, we wouldn't. But we can make hamd for this. We can praise Him for this. So from, again, from this angle, hamd is more general. Some scholars said that shukr is more encompassing than hamd because praise is expressed by the tongue, whereas thanks can be expressed by the tongue, heart and limbs. So from another angle, shukr is more encompassing and more general. Right? Because how do we do hamd? We say alhamdulillah, that's hamd. Praising Allah through our tongue. Right? Praise and shukr through our tongue. Whereas thanks, shukr, can be expressed by the tongue, which is similar to saying alhamdulillah, that's also shukr. Or we just say, thank you, ya Allah, or I'm grateful, ya Allah. You know, when we speak to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala privately and personally, we should thank Him and show our gratitude unto Him. But it can also come from the heart when we acknowledge that this favor, this bounties, it comes from Allah. We acknowledge the favor. So our heart shows gratitude to the, this great, the magnitude of these blessings upon us. We acknowledge it comes from Allah. This is shukr from our heart. And also on the limbs. When we obey Allah. When we stay away from haram. We fulfill our wajibat. We fulfill all types of obedience to Allah. This is shukr with our limbs. This is also shukr with our limbs. So from that angle, shukr is more encompassing than and more general than hamd. Both opinions are correct in their own place, right? In their own respected place. Hamd is more general with respect to when it is done 
and shukr is more general with respect to how it is done. Can be done on the tongue, on the limbs, physical deeds, also from the heart. How, uh, when it is done, hamd is more general. We will praise Allah, you know, more and at, 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 at various times, not just for a, a favor that we experience, for any time we just thank Allah, we praise Allah, we make hamd of Allah. Um, for it, just thinking about Allah, we make hamd of Allah. Just thinking about Allah's perfection, we should say, Alhamdulillah, all oh, praise is due to you, Allah. All perfection, all perfect praise is due unto you, Allah, for your perfection, and so forth. Tayyib. So we move on. Imam ibn Jarir al-Tabari, the Imam of the Mufassirin, rahimahullah, he commented on the ayah, Alhamdulillah, and he said, Alhamdulillah, that it means a praise that Allah praised himself with, indicating to his servants that they, sh- that they too should praise him. Right? Allah has praised himself with the statement. Ibn Jarir is telling us that Alhamdulillah is a statement that Allah has praised himself with. Indicating to us, his slaves, that we too should praise him. If Allah praises himself with Alhamdulillah, what about us? Hence is as if Allah is telling us, say Alhamdulillah. The Quran doesn't say, say Alhamdulillah in, in, in the Fatiha especially, right? But it's as if Allah is saying, when Allah says Alhamdulillah, it's as if Allah is saying, Qul Alhamdulillah. Because he's praising himself in this way, hence we too should be praising him in this way. It's just something to reflect over that Ibn Jarir has mentioned. Some of the statements of the Salaf, as mentioned by Ibn Kathir in his tafsir, uh, Umar radiallahu anhu, he said to Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu, We know la ilaha illallah, subhanallah and allahu akbar. What about alhamdulillah? So he's asking Ali about his opinion. Ali said a statement that Allah liked for himself. Allah is pleased with the statement for himself was pleased with for himself and he likes that it be repeated. So this is what Allah, he, he, he's pleased with this statement, Alhamdulillah, for himself and he loves that it be repeated. So the Sahaba said, also Ibn Abbas said, said عنhuma, Alhamdulillah is the statement of appreciation. Right? And we touched on this point before. When the servant says Alhamdulillah, Allah says, Hamidani Abdi, my servant has praised me. Right? It's a statement that Allah loves. Without a doubt. As Ali himself has mentioned, um, it's a statement of appreciation. It's a, it's a praise. It's a dhikr. It's, a, it's a, a shukr appreciation. It's a type of gratitude. And it's one of the greatest statements that the mu'min can make. The Prophet said in the hadith, the four most beloved statements or words to Allah is, Subhanallah, walhamdulillah, wala ilaha illallah, wallahu akbar. Simple adhkar that we all know. They are four of the most beloved words to Allah. Simple dhikr. Subhanallah. Walhamdulillah is a part of them. Alhamdulillah is very much beloved to Allah. As the hadith says. Wala ilaha illallah. Wallahu akbar. Likewise the hadith mentions. That Allah becomes pleased. He becomes pleased. When the slave. When he eats and he praises Allah. When he drinks and he praises Allah for this. So whenever we drink and eat. We should praise Allah. You understand? And that's why at the end of, of eating, there is adhkar to be said. Alhamdulillah, for example, That's something that we can learn, um, which is authentic hadith. The Prophet ﷺ said, whoever says this at the end, when he, when he finishes eating, all of his sins will be forgiven. And we know this applies to the minor sins. Right? 
That's a dua and a dhikr we can look up. It comes in a tirmidhi and others, which we can learn by praising Allah at the end of eating. And Allah will forgive your sins just by saying that, just by praising Him. And His pleasure will descend upon you. Because the hadith says He is pleased with His servant when the slave eats something or drinks something and He praises Him for this. Tayyib, um, on a side note, uh, many of us were brought up learning a different dhikr at the end of eating. I'm trying to think how it goes. Alhamdulillah, most of the ulama have stated it's an inauthentic hadith, right? So it's an inauthentic hadith. So try and learn that which is authentic. It's always better than doing that which is weak. Um, and Allah knows best. طيب, so we move on. Alhamdu. This word alhamdu is made up of two parts. The al and the hamd. This word is made up of two parts. Al and hamdu. The al also has an effect on the meaning. And this is how deep the Quran and Arabic is. All of these additional letters and, and words, and they, have, they, they add to the meaning and the power and the depth of the meaning um, of these statements. Like we spoke about last week, the Bismillah, we spoke about the Ba. The Ba has, has a meaning attached to it. It's not just a letter. The Ba adds to the meaning. Likewise, the Al adds to the meaning. So what does Al mean? Al is a definite particle which precedes the word Hamd. A definite particle meaning it's the word becomes definite and not indefinite. Right? So Alhamdu, this Al also has the meaning of Istighraq. Istighraq means totality. You know, it, it includes everything. All Ajnas. Right? Which means, in this case, it includes all Hamd. It includes all Hamd. So it means absolute totality to include all the different manners or ways or types of hamd, of praise. So alhamdu, right, often is translated as all praises belong to Allah. Why all praises? Because of the al. The al adds to the meaning. So the al tells you it's not just praise belongs to Allah or the praise belongs. It actually means all praise belongs to Allah. All praises belong to Allah. That's what the Al does to the word. And that's why it's better than saying, Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. And I think, especially in the Arab lands, I've heard this from many, you know, local speaking Arabs. Kayf halukum, how are you? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. You know, it's just the way they speak. Okay. Alhamdulillah. What does this mean? They say, Alhamdulillah, they're praising Allah for their well-being. But to say Alhamdulillah is much better than saying Alhamdulillah. But yes, it's maybe just the way they speak, but just to make it clear, we should try to say Alhamdulillah and not Alhamdulillah or Alhamdulillah. Right? Because Alhamdu has a specific meaning. Whereas Alhamdulillah is not the same thing. Right? It's an indefinite particle now because there's no Al attached. And the word does it carry the meaning of Istighraq, which means all praises. Right? That's just the extra benefit there. Try to say Alhamdulillah and not just Alhamdulillah, uh, especially out of laziness. Wallahu a'lam. Tayyip, so we move on. Um, types of praise for Allah is of five types as mentioned by Shaykh Salih al-Shaykh Hafidhahullah ta'ala. Tayyip, in his tafsir of uh, Surah Fatiha, he mentions that there is five types of praise or five way, or five, we could say, reasons for praising Allah. At least five 
reasons of why Allah is deserved of all praise. Right? At least five reasons as to why Allah is deserved of all praise. Number one, he said, he is deserved of praise because he is the one in his rububiyyah. Allah is alone in his rububiyyah, in his lordship. Okay? Rububiyyah comes from the word Rabb. Rabb, which means the Lord. Tayyip. Rububiyyah means the lordship of Allah, that Allah is the only Lord. He is, he is alone in this. He is the only Lord. Right? He has no partner. There's not two uh, Rabbs. There's only one Rabb. Okay? And we will get into the meaning of the word Rabb later on. But generally, what is the Rabb? When we speak about Allah's Rububiyyah, we are speaking about Allah's actions. Allah's actions, what Allah does. Like He creates and He provides. And He is the owner of everything. And He is the one who is in charge of everything. He manages the affairs of the, the, the world and the, the Samawat and everything. These are the actions of Allah. He is the Rabb, right? Uh, the Khaliq and so forth, the creator, the, the provider, the owner, Mudabbir, the one who manages the affairs and so forth. Tayyib, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَقُلِ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ And say, Alhamdulillah, all praise is for Allah. الَّذِي لَمْ يَتَّخِذْ وَلَدًا Look at the ayah. Look at the ayah. Allah is not just praising himself or saying that you should praise him. He's telling us you should praise him, we should praise him. Why? Why? Why is he deserved of praise? What makes him deserved of praise? The ayah is telling us. الَّذِي لَمْ يَتَّخِذْ وَلَدًا the one who has never had any offspring. He does, has not taken a son or a child. No offspring. Nor does he have a partner in governing the kingdom. Managing the affairs of the kingdom. Huh? Which kingdom? Which kingdom? Not the kingdom of Saudi Arabia or the kingdom of, of you know. Which kingdom? The kingdom of all of creation. This world in every other planet and world out there every... The entire universe, the heavens and the earth combined. This is the kingdom of Allah. He has no partner when it comes to governing the kingdom. Nor is he, وَلَمْ يَكُلْ لَهُ وَلِيٌّ مِنَ Nor is he pathetic, needing a protector. Allah is not weak. That he, that he requires a, a helper or a protector. Or someone to assist him. وَكَبِّرْهُ تَكْبِيرًا Allah says, and revere him immensely. Revere him immensely. Oh, oh, naam. Taib. Why is Allah? This is why Allah is worthy of praise. Because of these attributes mentioned in this ayah. For example, one example. But there are many ayat we can quote. The point, what is this ayah telling us? This is Allah, the Rabb. The, the one who's one in his, his lordship. He's the only one that governs the kingdom, in charge. He's the only one who has never taken, who does not have any offspring. Right? Lam yalid wa lam yulad. Nor was he was not begotten, nor does he beget. Right? He does not beget, nor was he begotten. That should be the way. He does not beget, nor was he born. Right? This, Allah is unique in this way. Okay? No offspring meaning, in this context, what does it mean? Yes, there are people we could argue that also don't have offspring. But the difference here is, Allah is not in need or is not befitting for him. You understand? It's not befitting for him to take any offspring. Whereas for others, it's more than befitting. It's encouraged. For Allah, it's not befitting. Because of how perfect He is alone in His perfection. One in His rububiyyah, it can only be Him alone. 
That's how he is. That's how it is. Nor does he need a protector or a helper or anything. For this reason, Allah is worthy of praise. This is his rububiyyah. This is an example of his rububiyyah. Another example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the beginning of Surah Fatir, Alhamdulillahi, Fatir is samawat wal ard. جاعل الملائكة رسلا أولي أجنحة مثنى وثلاث وربع يزيد في الخلق ما يشاء إن الله على كل شيء قدير الله says all praises for Allah الحمد لله why فاطر السماوات والأرض the originator of the heavens and the earth Allah brought this heavens and the earth into existence there was a time there was nothing there was no heavens no earth Allah سبحانه وتعالى brought it into existence from nothing there was no uh, you know, like when we build something, we require raw materials. If there's no raw materials, can we build? Can we build a building if there's no bricks, there's no cement, there's no water, there's no nothing? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the fatir. He brings things into origination from nothing. Nothingness. There was nothing and he brought it there. He didn't need raw materials like we do. This is the difference between Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's perfection and us. He is the one who is the originator of the heavens and the earth. For this reason, he's worthy of praise. There's no fatir except him. There's no originator, there's no khaliq, no creator except him. Ja'il malaikati rusulan, he made the angels as his messengers. With wings, two, three or four. They have wings. Yazidu fil khalqi he increases in creation whatever he wills. Allah can do whatever he wills. Nothing can prevent him or stop him or, uh, you know, keep him back or cause him to delay. Nothing can stop him. Inna Allah ala qadir, surely Allah is capable of everything. Most capable of every single thing. This is why he's deserved of praise. As the perfect Rabb. As the perfect Rabb. So that's point number one. Because of his rububiyyah, the, 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 the lordship of Allah, he's deserved of praise. Type so the Sheikh says it's incumbent to remember and keep in mind the means of rububiyyah and its great effects on creation. Right? When we praise Allah and we we recite Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, for example, we should try to keep this in mind. Who are we praising? Why are we praising Him? We are praising Him for these attributes of His, these actions of His. This, the true Lord, the one and only Lord, the one and only Creator, Provider, Nourisher, Sustainer, right? Mudabbir, uh, Malik, the owner, the king, the manager of affairs, the, the one that's in charge of everything, this is why we praise Him. And remember these meanings, remember these effects, the effects of, the, of these things on creation. What does that mean? What effect does Allah's rizq have on creation? There's no rizq except that it comes from Allah. There's no creation if it's not from Allah. There's no heavens and earth except that it came from Him. Imagine all of the effects. There is no effect except that it comes from Allah. So subhanAllah. The, uh, bear in mind the meanings of His rububiyyah and the goodness that He brings. The evil that He expels. The graciousness and subtle kindness that He shows to His slaves. These are the thoughts we should have when we praise Allah. Whether it's in salah or out of salah. Whether we are just praising Allah by saying Alhamdulillah. Or after the salah we say Subhanallah 33 times. And Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah 33 times. What, do we, what are we supposed to be thinking about when we, when we, when we do these dhikrs? These adhkar. We are supposed to be doing dhikr with these meanings in mind. So that the dhikr has an effect on our hearts. When it's done with no meanings, no understanding, just lip service then we see why the dhikr doesn't have an effect on us. Why it's just, you know, lip service. Wallahu al-musta'an. So we should bear in mind the meaning of his rububiyyah, the goodness that he brings. All khair, all barakah, all goodness and blessings, it comes ultimately from Allah and his rububiyyah. 
the rizq. You know, as we spoke about the creation, who's in charge of our fears? Who's the one who brings goodness in our lives? Where did our children, our families, the roof on our heads, where does it come from? Ar-raziq, ar-razaq. You know, think of all this goodness that we have. This is why he's deserved of praise, because of his uniqueness, his oneness in Rububiyyah. Likewise, the evil that he keeps away and expels. There are so much evil out there. Who's the one who protects us? Allah is our mawla. Allah is our wali, our protector. Al-Muhaymin, the overseer, the protector. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is deserved of praise for these actions of his. We should remember these things and remember who, what effect do these actions of Allah have in creation, on us and our families and our, subhanallah, the graciousness, graciousness and subtle kindness that he shows to his slaves. And this is, you know, we can go into so much details on this, these points. Allah's graciousness, his rahmah, his uh, kindness that he shows, you know, the plan of Allah is so deep. Many a times we think something's bad and some goodness comes from it. Many a times we don't see what's happening. All of a sudden some you know, favor comes in front of you. That favor was part of the great plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It came to you subtly. Lutf. Allah is Al-Latif, the subtle one. He does things in a subtle manner that we don't understand. But the next thing you know, there's a, a favor, a barakah, a, 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 some type of goodness has reached you. How did it get there? You don't even know. The reality is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala planned that, you know, this food, this morsel of food you're eating, it came from another country that was planted many years ago. Uh, it, you know, the seeds were sown by s- certain people that you'll never meet. It was then packaged in a... It came to you such via this tariq, this way long path. It came to you. Who planned this? Allah planned it way before. Before everything was even created, Allah knew that grain of rice is coming to you. This is coming to you from this country. All of this is planned in the part of the plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's endless to think about the favors of Allah and the great knowledge of Allah and the, you know, the lutf, that subtle kindness that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings. Wallahu musta'an. All of this is deserved of the greatest of praise in the most perfect way. Just these actions of Allah, just these favors and bounties that He brings, just these. You know, this kindness that he shows, that graciousness, that effects that comes from his actions. This is part of his rububiyyah as well, and this is why he's deserved of praise. Taib, point number two is, Allah is deserved of praise as he is the only one worthy of worship. This is what we call uluhiyyah. Uluhiyyah is what we call worship. That Allah is the only one that's worthy of worship. He's Allah, that's what his name means. Al-ilah is another name of Allah, which means the one that's worthy of worship. Allah is the one that's deserved of worship. That's his name. Right? He is the true ilah. And any other deity that is worshipped, then that worship is zulm. It's oppression. It's transgression. And it's a wrongdoing. Right? In fact, it's shirk. It's the worst of deeds. It's worse than every other deed under the sun. Allahul Musta'an. Tayyib. So Allah is not only praised for his lordship. For his being the, him being the creator and him being the provider and so forth. He is also praised because he is the only one worthy of worship. Because of those things he is worthy of worship. And because of this he is deserved of our praise. He alone is worthy of our worship. Our submission. We only submit unto him. We don't submit unto humans. Unto other people. Unto other sheikhs. We don't submit ourselves unto them. Or prostrate to them. Or beg them. Or turn to them. Or seek their help. We turn our submission to Allah. We submit ourselves unto Him. 
and to his laws and to his commands and to his prohibitions to his decisions his qada and his qadr and to his guidance our ultimate love is for Allah alone we should love none the way we love Allah the love of worship the love of servitude this is for Allah alone that we love to dedicate our worship unto him we do not dedicate that worship unto anyone else this, this is a specific type of love of ubudiyah where we love to do things for the sake of Allah we love to worship Him. Put our head on the ground to make salah. We recite the Quran. We give sadaqah to please Him. This is love to please Him. Our hope and our fear is only in Him. We hope that He will accept our deeds. We hope He will forgive our sins. And we also have fear that He may not forgive us. He may not accept our deeds. So this is the balance of the believer. Love, He is driven by love. And He has hope and fear. So He's always balanced. This is the balance that we should always have. Not too much hope because we become, then we become negligent. Allah is forgiving, Allah is ghafur rahim. And not too much fear when we lose hope. Balanced. This is the way of the believer. Our best thoughts are for him. We always think well of Allah. Whatever happens, we think good of Allah. Allah knows best. Allah is the best planner. Allah is ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Just be confident. Be, be, uh, you know, be positive. Our trust and reliance is in him. Tawakkul. In Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not in anything else. Not in people, not in uh, the asbab. What do we mean by this? We take the asbab and we put our trust in Allah. Meaning we do what we need to do. We, we take the cause for what we need to achieve, but we put our trust in Allah. So the cause, for example, if you are sick is medication. You go to the doctor, you get treatment, you, you follow your treatment plan, you take your medication. That's the asbab. That's the sabab for for cure. But who is the curer? Allah. We put our trust in Allah, not the medication, not the doctor. It's the balance. Safety and security. If we take the cause, we put in alarm systems, we put in a, a gate and so forth, security gates and burglar bars on the windows, but we put our trust in Allah because He's the protector. But we do what we need to do from our side. But ultimately, our trust and reliance is in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We leave our fears unto Him, we do our bit, and we, we put our trust in Him. Our seeking of help, isti'ana, and isti'adha, protection, we spoke about, um, and relief, istighatha, when we go through difficulty and really testing times, we do istighatha, we seek that relief from Allah alone. Our sacrifices, your slaughtering, dhabh, is not done for the magician, or for the jinn, or for anybody else, we sacrifice in the name of Allah, for the sake of Allah alone, right? Whomsoever sacrifice for other than Allah, uh, Prophet said, May Allah's curse be upon the one who sacrifices for other than Allah. These are acts of ibadah, it's for Allah alone. Our prayers, our salah, and our du'as is directly to Allah alone. Not via anyone, not through anybody, straight to Allah. Ya Allah, Allah is Al-Qareeb, He's the most near, He's Al-Mujib, He's the responsive one. We call unto Him alone. For these points, He is deserved of praise because He's the only one worthy of worship. For this alone, he's deserved of our hamd, of praise, of praise, of praise. Because of his greatness in his rububiyyah and his uniqueness when it comes to devotion and worship and servitude. Allah is alone in this. Hence, he's, de he's deserved of worship. Tayyib, he's the only one deserved of worship from his slaves. Those on the land, those in the sea, those in the skies and those deep underground. All of them worship Allah, praising him and glorifying him alone. Except for humankind. They are the ones who worship other than him. And so many other than him, Allah Musta'an. You only find shirk from amongst the, 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 the people. 
perhaps some of the jinn and so forth, but especially uh, amongst them, you don't find the others worshipping other than Allah, Wallahu Musta'an. Um, and this is very important that we get this idea of uluhiyyah versus rububiyyah. Very important that we don't mix the two. Know who Allah is as, a, as the Rabb, those actions of Allah, and that worship is also for Him alone. It's not sufficient to mix the two. It's not sufficient to um, have Tawheed in Rububiyyah only, but no Tawheed in Uluhiyyah. That we acknowledge Allah is the only Creator, but if I worship via the dead, it's also acceptable because I, I know it ultimately Allah is the Raziq and Allah is the, the Creator. This is not sufficient, right? To mix the two is still tantamount to shirk. Meaning, even if you believe Allah is the only creator and the only provider, but you asked through somebody or through a dead person or through some saint or, or through some karama or through some even prophet or even angel, that worship is not directly to Allah. It's no longer tawheed. It's no longer directly to Allah alone. Now there's been some you know, deviation that has taken place. And this is also tantamount to shirk. Wallahu al-musta'an. And to stress this point is important because many people get confused on this point. So if you look at one verse, Allah says, الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَلَمْ يَلْبِسُوا إِيمَانَهُمْ بِالظُّلْمِينَ أُولَٰئِكَ لَهُمُ الْأَمْنُ وَالْمُهْتَدُونَ It is only those who are faithful, they have iman, and do not tarnish their iman with falsehood, with zulm, with zulm. Remember this word, with zulm. They do not mix their iman with zulm. They are the ones who are guaranteed security and safety, and they are the rightly guided. Right? We look at the hadith where the Prophet gave tafsir of this ayah. In Bukhari, Abdullah he said, When the ayah and confused not their belief with dhulm was revealed, the Sahaba of the Prophet said, And who among us did not commit dhulm against himself? Meaning, you see, dhulm could mean wrongdoing. So when the ayah says those who mix their iman with dhulm, those who do not mix their iman with dhulm, for them there is safety and they are the rightly guided. The Sahaba said, Ya Rasulullah, who from amongst us, we have iman, but who from amongst us does not do wrong? Who doesn't do wrongdoing? This is when the Prophet explained what is meant by dhulm. And he said, the ayah was then revealed in Surah Luqman, إِنَّ الشِّرْكَ لَظُلْمٌ عَظِيمٌ Verily, indeed, shirk. Joining others in worship with Allah is a great zulm indeed, or the worst of zulm. Therefore, this ayah over here refers to zulm. That those who believe they have iman, but they do not mix their iman with shirk, with shirk, they will be rightly guided and they will be the ones who get security. So which means some people have iman, but they mix it with shirk. Some people have iman, but they mix it with shirk. They have some type of iman. What type of iman do they have if they are mushrikeen? The question we will answer with another ayah. Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَا يُؤْمِنُوا أَكْثَرُهُمْ بِاللَّهِ إِلَّا وَهُمْ مُشْرِكُونَ And most of them do not believe in Allah without associating others with Him in worship. Meaning what? They believe in Allah. They do believe in Allah. The ayah is saying that they do believe in Allah, but... Most of them also are mushrikun. Most of them also associate others with him in worship specifically. How do we know it's worth worship specifically? This was explained to us by the great Sahabi, Tarjuman al-Quran. 
the great interpreter of the Quran, Abdullah ibn Abbas, he said on this ayah, they have a part of faith. They have iman. For when they are asked who created the heavens and who created the earth, who created the mountains, what will they say? They will say Allah. What type of tawheed is this? This is the first one we spoke about, rububiyyah. They will acknowledge Allah is the creator, Allah is the provider, Allah is in charge of all affairs, Allah is the owner of everything. So they have that type of iman in rububiyyah. But where do they commit shirk? They commit shirk in uluhiyyah, in the worship of Allah. And this is what Ibn Abbas he says, Yet they associate others with him in worship. They know who Allah is in general, but they are mushrikeen. Why? In worship, they do not worship Allah alone. When they make dua, they make dua to the dead. They make dua to some saint or to the Prophet sallallahu or to the malaika, or they sacrifice for other than Allah, or they put their trust in an amulet, for example, or there's so many ways that people fall into shirk. Wallahu al-musta'an. The point here is, understand the difference between rububiyah and uluhiyah. That's a small tawheed lesson within it, but there's always importance in this. Another evidence for this is the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, where Allah said to the Prophet, ask them who provides you from the heaven and earth? Who, who owns your hearing and sight? Who brings forth the living from the dead? Uh, and the dead from the living? And who conducts every affair? They will surely say Allah. And say to them, will you not then fear him? So these people, who, are we, who, who is the Prophet speaking to? Mushrikeen. Mushrikeen, they know who Allah is as the provider, as the one, the owner of everything, as the one who gives life and death. They know Allah is the, the ever-loving. They know Allah is the one who is in charge of all affairs. Yet, they are mushrikeen. Why? Mushrikeen fil ibadah. They do not worship him alone. And this is the importance of understanding the difference between rububiyah and uluhiyah. The lordship of Allah versus the worship of Allah. It's not sufficient that someone says, we know Allah is the provider. But to ask via the dead or via somebody is, is not, that is shirk in worship. Knowing Allah is the provider is tawheed in rububiyah, whereas you've committed shirk in uluhiyah, such a person is a mushrik, he's out the fold of Islam, you know Allah musta'an. Especially if he knows the evidences and so forth and he understands Arabic and the Quran, if he's an absolute, you know, layman who has, knows nothing at all, and that's all he's been taught, perhaps we can make an excuse for him according to some ulama. Other ulama say, no, there's no excuse for shirk and tawheed. Allah musta'an. This, this is of utmost importance, and this is why we are stressing this, even within, you know, our discussion on hamd. Right? It's coming up, but there's great benefit in this. This is the greatest lesson, and Allah knows best the lessons of tawheed. Thirdly, Allah is deserved of praise unto him, or is deserved of praise, as unto him belongs the most beautiful names and most lofty attributes. Not only is he the Rabb, not only does he deserve praise because of, he's the only one worthy of worship, but also because of who he is. Allah is deserved of hamd and praise purely because of his beautiful names and attributes, because of his perfection. Everything about him is perfect, and for this he is deserved of all praise. He is far and distanced away from any imperfection or weakness or shortcoming. For this alone, Allah is deserved of hamd. For this alone, we should praise Allah just, for, uh, just because of who He is in terms of His perfection. Everything about Him is perfect. His power is perfect. His love is perfect. His sight is perfect. His hearing is perfect. His knowledge is perfect. His life is perfect. You know? All of these names and attributes have great effects on the heart of the believer when he studies, understands and reflects over these names and attributes. You know, this cause again we did in the last cause. 
my advice is try to go through those that course and just to listen and try to understand those names and attributes and you will see how we went into detail discussing the the greatness of Allah through these perfect names and perfect attributes always speaking about the perfection of Allah and how this perfection is compared to the imperfection of insan and creation and Allah knows best these names and attributes have an effect on the heart we get to know Allah the best of all knowledge is the knowledge of Allah is to know who Allah is the best subject you can study is Allah to know who he is how do we study Allah study the names and attributes of Allah we reflect over these names we will see the effects of him and his names and attributes within creation we look at Ghafoor we see the maghfirah of Allah so much maghfirah not just from Allah upon us, even with amongst ourselves. Where does it come from? The mercy of Allah, the maghfirah of Allah. We look at the name Rahim. We look at the name Rahim, the most merciful. We will realize the great mercy of Allah. Look around, study the name Rahim, the Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, and see the, the Rahmah within creation. It all comes from the Rahmah of Allah. Aziz, you will see the power and honor of Allah, and how He has granted Izzah power and honor to himself and to his book and to his believers and to his messengers and so forth every name there's more than 100 names that belongs to Allah you can see this effect within creation with, within people within it all comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala these names are the best of names and the most powerful of names and the best of attributes if one reflects over the various names and attributes of Allah he will then continuously praise Allah with love veneration and glorification which is hamd when we realize Him, when we get to know Allah, we will praise Him endlessly, continuously. When we learn who Allah is, naturally we will be making hamd of Allah as often as possible. Number four is Allah is deserved of praise as He sent down His perfect book. Purely because Allah sent down this perfect kitab, the noble Quran, Allah is deserved of praise. And Allah has praised Himself for this. In Surah Al-Kahf, verse number one, Allah says, Alhamdulillah alladhi anzala ala abdi al-kitab wa lam yaj'allahu iwaja. Allah is, Allah, all praises for Allah, who has revealed the book to his servant, allowing no crookedness or deviation in it. For this, Allah is, it's a perfect book from start to finish. Blessed book from start to finish. For this alone, we should praise him for sending the Quran. He is praised for every command in his book and for every prohibition. Everything in the Quran makes Allah worthy of praise. All of the great bounty and the great knowledge and wisdom and barakah and shifa and greatness that comes from the Quran, all of this is a reason to praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Every command is beloved unto him and every prohibition is beloved unto him when avoided. Allah loves that we fulfill his commands and that we stay away from his prohibitions. And we should praise him like this by following the commands by staying from, away from prohibitions and praise him for those commands. Because his commands and his prohibitions are full of hikmah. Nothing comes from Allah except that it's good, it's wise, it's knowledge-based, it's perfect. Every action of Allah is one that, is, that comes from Al-Hakim, the most wise. Every prohibition is hikmah in it. Stay away from this because there's hikmah in it. We may not know it, but Allah knows best. And every command, Allah is instructing us with something. Why? Allah knows why. We may not know, but Allah knows why. Hikmah belongs to Him. So, He's deserved of praise for these things as well. And number five, Allah is deserved of all praise due to His commands and decree regarding creation. If you look at the various 
uh, you know, Allah's khalq, his creation, and his various decrees and his, his, his bounties, then he's also worthy of praise for this. Allah's innumerable favors are included in this point, in this section. Yani all the bounties of Allah. We haven't even spoken about the favors of Allah. وَإِن تَعُدُّ نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ لَا تُحْسُوهَا Allah says in the Quran, if you try to enumerate and count the favors of Allah, you would not be able to count it. You would not be able to, you know, how many favors? It's impossible to count. Every ni'mah comes from Allah, favor, mercy, bounty. For this, we should also praise Allah. And the Sheikh, Sheikh Salih, he says, this is what most people think about when praising Allah. Most people, when we praise Allah, when we say Alhamdulillah, it's usually because of a bounty, of a favor, or a gift that we find in our life. Something good happens, we say Alhamdulillah. So most of the time when we praise Allah, it's because of this point. It's because of Allah's decree of something good, right? Or some favor of Allah. Although this is only one of the reasons. We mentioned it will be five. This is the fifth point. There are other reasons which we mentioned, which is also why Allah is deserving of praise. Right? So any favor, no matter what it could be, right? Allah grants you shifa, it's a favor. We say, Alhamdulillah, we praise Allah for that. Allah grants you something in this world, whether it's something of wealth or children or anything. We say, Alhamdulillah, Allah is deserving of praise for that, no doubt. But remember, this is only one reason from amongst the, the five that we mentioned. Tayyib, the reasons for praising Allah are many and vast in their meaning. As we could see today, we're just touching on these points. Each point we can go so deep into. And it's not possible for the slave to always keep all of this in mind when praising Allah. It's too much to think about at the same time when we say Alhamdulillah to think about all those things. So what should we do? A believer should try and remember at least one of these reasons for praise whenever praising Allah. When we say Alhamdulillah, try and maybe focus on one reason for praising Him. Then focus on a different reason when he praises Allah on another occasion. So let's say in the salah we're saying Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. We can be thinking of something specific. Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. Whatever comes to mind at that moment, if it's the rububiyah of Allah, Allah's Lordship, if it's the worship that he's deserved of, that we will only worship him and therefore he's the only one deserved of worship, if it's his perfect nature, his names and attributes, if it's his bounties upon us that we are praising him for, or we are praising him for sending down the perfect Quran, for example, Whatever the reason may be, think of one. Why are we praising Allah? What am I saying? And, and maybe focus on one. When we're making the dhikr after salah, maybe, you know, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Think of something specific when you are praising Him for and, and think of, you know, in detail, to go into detail, why are we praising Him and, and so forth, how He's worthy of praise and so forth. Based on these five, you know, broad uh, reasons and vast reasons, each one, like we said, is the more you think over it and reflect over it, the more detail we can go into. And on another occasion, think of something else. Think of a different aspect, a different reason why Allah is worthy of praise and so forth. And this is how we should try to mix it up so that we are always praising Him uh, appropriately. By saying Alhamdulillah, the servant is praising and thanking Allah alone due to His greatness, unity, perfection, His beautiful names and attributes, and His innumerable, innumerable favors and blessings that none can encompass save Him. Save he. It is indeed an amazing statement that encompasses something that volumes would be unable to express and created intellects unable to enumerate. All praise belongs to Allah. This is, you know, why we say Alhamdulillah, what it really means. Perhaps a definition we could use is all perfect and most beautiful praise is only for Allah. Perhaps, but there's a better one coming up, inshaAllah. Lillah. We move on from Alhamdulillah. Ya Salam, it took us an hour already. 
But we're going to finish up, inshallah, this lesson before we move on to the next. So try and get through the dars. It may be a little bit long, but there's benefit to be taken and this is of utmost importance. So lillah, this lam again, li, li, lillah. There's a lam here attached to the name of Allah. And this lam, again, has a meaning. What does this lam mean? It's for istihqaq, which means that Allah is he's the one that is deserved of the praise. He is the one that deserves that hamd. Or to him belongs the praise. So istihqaq means that yani it's for the one who this will belong to or the one who, who deserves this. Deserves what? The, that which precedes it, the hamd. So alhamdulillah means for Allah, belongs to Allah, we deserve it unto Allah. That alhamd is deserved unto who? Allah. Okay. Lillahi rabbil alameen. Rabbil alameen. Okay, again, notice the difference between rububiyyah and uluhiyah. The one deserved of worship is now described as the Lord. Right? The one worthy of worship is who? Allah. Lillah. Allah. For Allah. Allah is the one who is deserved of worship. He is now described as what? Rabbil alameen. This is now a description of Allah. Rabbil alameen is a description of who? Of Allah. See the difference? The one worthy of worship is described as who? Rabbil alameen. So there's a difference again between uluhiyya, worship, deserved of worship Allah, and rububiyya, the Lord of alameen. The Lord. Hence, again showing us that there's a difference between the two, uluhiyya and rububiyya. Um... I think I'll wrap up here. We'll stop here, inshallah, because I don't want it to become too long. And then, inshallah, we'll continue from this point next week. From Rabbil Alameen and then Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, we've covered already in the Basmala. And then we'll do Maliki Yawmiddin. We'll just touch on Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, some small points. We'll do Maliki Yawmiddin as well next week. And perhaps Iyakan Abudu as well. We'll see how the time goes. Um, but Alhamdulillah. Hamd is a powerful topic. We haven't even scratched the surface really. There's so much more the scholars have mentioned, but we try to give ourselves a general understanding uh, so that at least we know what we are saying when we say Alhamdulillah and the power of Alhamdulillah and the virtue of Alhamdulillah and so forth. Bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. So not to prolong, I'm going to stop here and we will carry on from Rabbil Alameen next week, insha'Allah ta'ala. Um, Jazakumullahu khayran wa barakallahu feekum. And we ask Allah Azza wa Jal to make us of those who understand his book and those who love according to his book, to make us of the Ahlul Qur'an, the people of Qur'an, Ahlullah wa khasatuhu, those special people of Allah and those close servants of Allah who are the most beloved to him. Ameen ya Rabbil Alameen. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk.